Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Masterclass, the Manchester United Tactical Podcast. I'm your host, Haydar Rabani. I'm joined today by Rob Blanchett. United won in Fergie time yesterday with Ronaldo, 95th minute win- winner that absolutely sent Old Trafford crazy. And we've got a bit of a Fergie time show, haven't we here, Rob? A last minute show, we're jumping in and we're going to discuss, we felt like we needed to discuss uh, the formations for yesterday or lack of or, or the tinkering that Oli did because in all honesty I think yesterday was tactically pretty much of a of a shambles it's great to win in that fashion it's great to see Ronaldo scoring a goal like that but it, it really was one of them for me which it felt like a bit of a smash and grab it felt like we were paper, paper, uh, papering over the cracks should I say and uh, I wasn't really too impressed with what I saw but you can't really get away from the fact that you know a last minute goal is always fun isn't it it was fun in the 95th minute. The other 94 minutes were pretty painful. So I was there on the halfway line watching the game from my seat. Um, United tried two or three different stylistic things, different formations, all kind of bearing out of their original 4-2-3-1, which they changed with Fred not on the pitch. But ultimately it didn't work. None of it worked. Everything they tried didn't really work in terms of the formation. They get away with it because the substitutes come on and they add the energy that you needed at the kind of very end of the game. And, you know, Jesse Lingard, as much as Cristiano Ronaldo, saves Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's blushes. But yeah, we wanted to do a show today because we've had lots of response, lots of people on social media talking about 4-3-3. 
And we feel that that kind of needs to be debunked a little bit because it certainly wasn't a traditional 4-3-3 or maybe the 4-3-3 that you need to play if you want to win titles. You know, we've talked about this system a lot. So it wasn't that kind of formation. Um, but we're going to go into it. We're going to kind of dig into it in a kind of shorter show today, a little bit more bite-sized and try, kind of just try and work out the tactics of Manchester United and what's actually going on on the football pitch. Yeah, absolutely. And Rob, let's start with formations because that's the most important thing. Now, we both watched the game in different circumstances. You were at the ground and I was uh, watching it at home. So that's when we were having discussion today because I thought I saw a 4-3-3, if I'm honest with you. That's what I thought I saw. And uh, what I saw when uh, you know when we went forward was almost like a 4-1-5. And that really exposed McTominay. I tweeted about it. I said, I felt sorry for Scott McTominay last night. He was playing as a number six. He was screening. And it's, it's for me, it's a position where he's obviously not comfortable. I like him going a bit more further forward, but, you know, Oli tried something different. And uh, there were two things. One, obviously, we, were, we weren't even getting broken at. We were, we were exposed. Our defense was exposed. And Dallow on that right-hand side, I mean, he had a really torrid time against Dan Juma. But I saw a 4-3-3, you know, sort of then a 4-1-5, you know, in possession. But you don't really think we saw that, did you? You think we saw something a bit different. So why don't we talk about that, what you saw, obviously, being able to see the full pitch. And uh, talk to listeners about because you didn't see a traditional 4-3-3. Okay, in pre-season, I, I spoke a lot about Man United potentially playing a 4-1-4-1 this system, you know, this this season, uh, in terms of uh, allowing you to break free of a double pivot system so you don't play 4-2-3-1 all the time. And as you were just saying there, it looked probably on TV like a 4-1-5. That's not really a system. I don't know anyone that plays that. But United were leaning towards playing one defensive midfielder Four progressive uh, attackers with a, a roaming striker at the top. So, from again, on my halfway line where I sit, I kind of look down on the pitch. I can see the shape really, really clearly. Certainly more than you can see on the TV camera angle, which is much lower. So, you, you could see that uh, when the game started, it looked like United when they're 4-2-3-1, the traditional way of their playing, normal Ole Gunnar Solskjaer style. But Paul Pogba's position was a bit iffy. So, he certainly wasn't sitting in a double pivot and it looked you know I always talk about the pivot moving don't I? I always talk about one staying and one going in the first five minutes or so it looked like that's how it would be that Pogba would be have license to go and that McTominay would be the sitting midfielder but what it, it turned out very very quickly in the first half was that Paul Pogba was literally playing in the forward line but he wasn't playing wide left so we saw that Jaden Sancho started Mason Greenwood plays on the right. They both switched twice in the first half. Both went one one side to the other. So again, that was a I think that's a tactic to try and confuse the opponents to show where where your players are. But Paul Pogba was not playing anywhere near the double pivot for most of the game. Now, ultimately, in the first half, that was United's big problem. They played four one four one. Bruno was trying to pull strings at the top end of the pitch. Paul Pogba was occupying a much more advanced role. And United were just getting walked through like like I've not seen for a long time. You know, they were getting the ball at full back and centre-back, Villarreal, and they were on our back four within three or four seconds because they were literally just walking through United's midfield. Why? Because there was no midfield. You play 4-1-4-1 and it wasn't a pressing system. And then they walk through the four. Then Scott McTominay has to deal with it. But he can't because it's not fair. So... Tactically, that was a big faux pas, I think, from Ole. He's trying the system that Fergie used to play a lot, 4-1-4-1, when Michael Carrick was a screener. 
but that's old money. No one really plays that anymore. Sometimes there are teams that do play it, but United certainly don't play it a lot. But if you do play it, you've got to have a lot more nous about you. That was the first half. The second half, we saw Bruno operating almost as a number six at times, coming back, dropping deep, coming to get the ball off Varane, coming to get the ball off Lindelof, and then turning and having 50 yards between him and Ronaldo. Did that work? No, it didn't work. So uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I can tell you what the systems were and what I saw, but what I can't tell you is why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thought it was a good idea against a Villarreal team who swarm and who can walk through you quite quickly just by playing two or three technical passes to feet. They didn't really do a lot, Villarreal, but they were the better team by quite a long way. And for Manchester United to win that game 2-1 is a bit of a minor miracle. And it's because you've got Ronaldo on the pitch. Now, Ronaldo was isolated for most of the game, found it very, very difficult to kind of get, get the ball in good areas. But that was the story of the match for Manchester United, is that they just could not create once again. Nine matches this season, eight below par performances. And I would say that the performance against Villarreal was the worst this season. Yeah, worse for me, Rob. 100% the worst. When I'm looking at I'm looking at two things, Rob. I'm seeing, uh, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, the isolation of McTominay, which is never, never good. And also the isolation, I thought Dallow, there's a lot of... Um, Look, Dallow's not good one-on-one. We know this, Rob, don't we, defensively? That is one of his weaknesses. And the fact that that was something that got exposed time and time again in that first half was a problem for me. And you have to look at it, Rob, and you, a lot of people put blame towards individual players. But it, it was a system problem, wasn't it? It was a system problem. It's a coaching issue, something we've spoken about many, many times. We're seeing why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does go for a 4-2-3-1, don't we? And I think he probably should have changed that in the second half, just tighten it up make sure that uh, the centre-backs aren't getting exposed, make sure that, you know, McTominay had a partner with him, keep it tight in the middle, gain control of the game. We didn't do that really at all. And when we when we are looking to play a 4-3-3, let's say we are going to play that, because I don't think we have the, the uh, capability in the squad. I don't think we have the personnel to play that. I don't think um, it's possible. But let's say we do and we have someone like Nemanja Matic playing it. You still need legs around him, don't you? And I think right now you're seeing why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer plays a 4-2-3-1. Why McFred, although they're not the sexy name, they're not the, the most talented footballers, why they're there? Because <laughs> United need to keep controlling midfield. We have no one who can conduct. We don't have a character. We have no one that can control the tempo of the game. It's a real problem, Robin. To be honest with you, I'm delighted at the result. We needed the win. You can't go into the Champions League first two games with zero points, losing both. But uh, for me, the serious issues in that midfield that still haven't been resolved. And yesterday, was we were no closer to doing that. Yeah, it's a systematic issue and it's also a choice of the manager. So you just said there, they can't play 4-3-3. I would say that 4-3-3 in, say, a modern sense, let's say about how uh, Liverpool play their 4-3-3, they've shown that you do not need three amazing progressive midfielders to play that system. Now they've got Thiago in their team, who is a progressive midfielder, so they maybe address that, so they've got more of a pass for the ball. But you look at their success over maybe three or four years, the way they've done it is to have energy in their midfield, to have that three working hard, to have a second wave press, to allow the front three to go and do what the front three want to do. So we've brought the systems up here. Now, we've put here on the right-hand side of the screen here the 4 the, the four, 2 setup, which is how they set it up at the start of the game. As I said, that's what it looked like. Uh, and this is from Who Scored. And obviously, they've got their ratings there in terms of the shape and the function due to their metrics. 
And then on the left-hand side is something I've created for you because this is what I could see on the halfway line. And that was McTominay basically sat in front of Varane and Lindelof. In that shape, you saw that Varane came out because of that. So McTominay sat and Varane advanced the ball. Quite interestingly, in uh, Harry Maguire's position on the left, which is what you want Harry Maguire to do, and Harry Maguire hasn't been doing. So Varane was given that job. I think he did it really well yesterday. That was one positive. But then when you looked how flat the back four were in, in kind of transition and Tellez, Varane, Lindelof and Delow, you could see that Ole had told his fullbacks not to go. They were not, they were not raiding fullbacks yesterday. And of course, that is exactly what Tellez and Delow are not good at, which is the stuff behind. I think Tellez at the end of the game got caught out nearly and nearly got stuffed because of it, because they transitioned too quickly and Villarreal went from left to the right-hand side of the pitch and exploited the space behind Tellers because he decided to go and tackle someone on the halfway line. It was like, what are you doing? On the other side of it, Diego Delo proved why Aaron Wambasaka plays every week because he was so bad on the back foot, so bad, didn't know what he was doing, couldn't, uh, couldn't track the man on that side. It was too wide most of the time, allowing the space between him and, him and Lindelof to look like a golf. And then you go up the pitch, and this is where it gets funny. Because Jaden Sancho, I thought, played all right. I thought Mason played all right. But both of them started way too wide. Why were they wide? It was because Pogba and Bruno were occupying this kind of triangle yeah. behind Ronaldo. Yeah. So they were trying to play, you know, I, I, I watched the game yesterday and people around me, I said, it looks like street football. It looks like street football. It's all about, let's do something special. There was no system. You know, the four-one-four-one just allowed too much space. You know, it's, you, you, there was no one looking after anything on the football pitch. Scott McTominay couldn't look after the whole of the Villarreal midfield on his own. It's not fair. And on the flip side of it, Ronaldo was at the top there. And Ronaldo was getting nothing through, you know, nothing zero, in the channels. Rob, zero service for Ronaldo. Zero service. Zero service, which is why we are so lucky that we've come out of this game with a 2-1 victory and that Ronaldo is the guy that got the goal. The substitutes worked, but again, I think Ole got the substitutes wrong in terms of their order. You know, you, you got Jesse Lingard, you give him two minutes when you're trying to win a game. I, it, it's luck. That is luck. You know, it's not a judgment from a manager. You got it right. I heard yesterday people say, oh, you know, Ole got his substitutes right. I don't think he got them right at all. I think the shape still looked really skewed in the last 20 minutes. And going into that last five minutes or into stoppage time, it was just wild. It was like old school United. Let's just try and go for it. And yes, it worked. Yes, we all cheered. Yes, I've got a bit of a hoarse voice today because obviously cheering Riva Ronaldo. But you don't get away with it, Haydar, every you know week. If you, like if you do well, this, you don't win trophies like this. You don't. No, if you do this against a really good team, and Villarreal are a decent side, you know, they're not a worldy team. They're, they're good. They are really organized. You can see what Emery's done with them. A uh, guy kind of around me in the stadium yesterday said they look like a swarm of bees. And he was talking about it tactical. And he was saying it was interesting to kind of wherever the ball was, they outnumbered United every time because systematically that was what they were trying to do. They were trying to get numbers in the right area. And then when they got the ball back, they were playing two or three, one, two touches and literally kind of walking through United like they weren't there. And that was kind of horrific to see. And I don't think that Ole really addressed it in the game. So it, for me, it wasn't a proper 4 3 3. You could say that Pogba and Bruno were in the midfield with McTominay, but McTominay was about 
30 yards from those two most of the game. So it wasn't a 4-3-3. It was a 4-1-4-1. And then I just think Ronaldo was, you know, he's trying to kind of go left, go right. He's trying to pick up pockets of space where maybe they can overlap and help him and maybe get the ball back to him on the edge of the box. None, none of it worked. It literally, none of it worked. So unfortunately, we're doing a masterclass on a fantastic victory, but on a set of tactics which were experimental at best, but unfortunately did fail on the night. Rob, I think a lot of people have got the same view, though. You know, you have a look at Twitter and you talk to a lot of people who have got the same view. I think that the general consensus is Manchester United, uh, great results. Uh, you can't beat Ronaldo coming back, you know, hasn't scored a Champions League goal for Manchester United since 2009. Let's get all that nostalgia bit in there because that's what football is about as well, Rob. You have to, you have this, what these are the sort of moments where you remember, and you're going to remember this, aren't you, Rob? You're going to remember the, the Ronaldo goal when he came back and, and the atmosphere. But ultimately, this is another game now in in the last sort of, let's say, eight games where Manchester United haven't really performed. It's a bit worrying, but I do want to read out some comments, Rob, because I think there's some really good comments here. There's some good questions here. There's a, there's a comment here from James saying, I think this is fair to point out, you know, three of the back four haven't played regularly, if at all, with each other. But Tommy can't do the defensive midfield just yet anyway. Bruno and Pogba were playing three roles. No wonder it was as disjointed as it was. I mean, I think that really does sum it up. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think United have one player in the squad that can play defensive midfield like no. this. No. Yeah, because you you don't have to... It's not about energy then. When you're in the double pivot, it's about energy, yeah? And I say that all the time, about being able to split and go wide go and take that territory up so you can go win the ball back, yeah? You don't need to be the best footballer in the world to do that. But if you play 4-1-4-1... The reason why Michael Carrick was so good at it was that he was a screener. So he would screen left and he would screen right. He never had to go and address. He never pressed. There was none of that. So he would pick the ball up off the centre-backs or in the channels and he would get the ball going like a quarterback from deep. Scott McTominay cannot do that. Can't do that. Rob, I do, can, would, I, can I make a point but No but Man United player can do that. There yeah. isn't one in the squad that I would look at and go, you play 4-1-4-1, we have the perfect defensive midfielder. And this is why we play the double pivot. And this is why we play 4-2-3-1. Can I make a point? Because there's, uh, you know, there's people... So you have a player's ability, right? Let's talk about Scott McTominay's ability. Let's compare him to Michael Carrick. And we're not comparing him because they're just not like for like at all. You know, where Michael Carrick naturally excelled was his reading of the game. His interception numbers are fantastic. Incredible pass through the ball. You know, brilliant pass in terms of breaking through the lines. Then we look at Scott McTominay and what does he, where does he uh, excel? He excels when he can go forward. He has a great shot on him. He provides great energy. Um, you, In my opinion, there's coaching, obviously, that does come into it in terms of, you know, where a player is, uh, where a player's spacing is, understanding what their role is in the system. But if Scott McTominay hasn't got the ability to pass up Michael Carrick, because not many players did, you can't teach that, Rob, can you? Even if you are Pep Guardiola, players have what they're good at and what they're bad at. You can train some of those uh, technical fundamentals. But at the end of the day, for me, I don't think Scott McTominay, and I don't think that's his best position, will ever be a Michael Carrick screening sort of number six. I disagree with the statement that you can't teach stuff because I think football is all about coaching and teaching. But you can't teach it in a week, Haydar. You know, United have never played 4-1-4-1 this season. I've not seen it. They didn't play it last season. So what you're doing is you're operating on something that you might have practiced three or four times in training, yeah? You're looking, you're looking to find a way to unlock the attack. That's what Ole is trying to do, I think, in his last few weeks, finding it because it's all nuance. Pogba playing on the left, 
Pogba playing deeper. Pogba now playing in a pocket between Sancho and Ronaldo. Bruno going very deep yesterday, being a six and an eight, kind of in a role that you might have thought Donny van der Beek was more kind of built to play. You know, all of these kind of things are experimental, but it also tells you, unfortunately, it feels like they don't really know what they're doing. So this this is it. So the players don't know what they're doing. The coaches don't know what they're doing. And it's being reflective in in performances. Like you're just saying, hey, can you teach Scott McTominay to do a job? If you took Scott McTominay for a year and taught him to be a proper defensive midfielder, and that was his job, and you said, Scotty, this is your job for the next year, and you're going to do this nonstop, I think Scott McTominay could be a proper defensive midfielder. I don't think Scott McTominay could be a proper defensive midfielder when he's told to do it from last Tuesday or something. It doesn't work like that. It's like saying to Bruno... Bruno, you've got mobility. You can do certain things. So today, can you come and get the ball off the back four and turn around and see Ronaldo 50 yards from you and make it work? Even Bruno can't do that. And I think Bruno's individual performances themselves have been really poor because of this lack of direction in terms of the formation. Because he's just picking up the ball in all the wrong areas, trying all the wrong things. Trying to make something happen, Rob. That's what he's trying to do. He's frustrated. <laughs> but it's he out of desperate. It's out of desperation rather than intelligence. Yeah. So if you are desperate, it really, really shows in your shape. And like I said about the guy who said that Villarreal looked like a swarm of bees because they were so well organised, Manchester United were the opposite of a swarm of bees. You know, they didn't look. There were times where it looked so fragmented that. Pogba and Bruno McTominay might be three yards from each other. And then 10 minutes later, they'd be like 50 yards from each other. And Villarreal were exploiting it every time. And this is a like a decent Villarreal team. But as I said, not a world-beating team who made Manchester United look very, very ordinary. And if the game had ended up 1-0, Haydar, and that was it, and United couldn't find their way back into the match, probably would have been a fair result. You know, if you'd lost this game, I don't think you could have come away and thought, oh, do you know what? We did enough here to get a point or, or three points. As it happens, the substitutes help. You get your three points. Everyone's happy. Rob, I came out of that game thinking, oh, we were lucky to win that. I didn't think we deserved mm. it. I turned around to my brother and I said, we did not deserve that. It's great. Don't get me wrong. It was great to to, to win it in that fashion. But you mentioned I did nothing for me. I mean, let, let's talk about the, the first goal. I mean, that was a beautiful, beautiful goal by Tellez. Great technique. But that's a goal that, you know, that's not something that you score every single week, is it? That's a that's a special, special goal. And uh, then you have, obviously, the goal by Ronaldo. But I want to bring up this question because it's something that we've been talking about now for a month, I think, of the season so far. You know, maybe not necessarily the counter-attacking, but why are we so flat in terms of tempo uh, when in possession? That is something we've spoken about time and time again, haven't we, Rob? The tempo is a real issue. United don't move the ball quick enough. Um, you know, we've spoken about the issues in midfield. I think a lot of it does stem from midfield, Rob. That's the engine of the engine of the team. It's where Manchester United can't seem to get a, a hold of the game, or if they do, they move the ball too slowly. What is wrong with the tempo, and what can Oli do better to improve that? It's got to be the coaching that's the issue. Tempo is always about coaching. If you go nine games into the season, Haydar, and your manager, after almost every game in this presser, says we have tempo issues. This is Ole's voice saying this. We have tempo issues. We don't start quick enough. The first 20 minutes are a big problem for us. So you would probably think that Ole is going and telling the players that at Carrington, wouldn't you? You would think that that's what they are addressing. So why is whatever they're being taught reflecting in poor tempo? Well, again, in discussions with my contemporaries and stuff yesterday at Old Trafford, one of the things that we kind of came to was that maybe these guys are being asked to do too much individually. You know, they look confused. When you've got two or three things to do really well, 
it's almost easier to do that than have eight things to do badly. Yeah. So Scott McTominay is playing as a defensive midfielder, but we know that there's more expectation on him than just sitting. Now he did just end up sitting yesterday, but if you want to kind of draw the dots and kind of make, make uh, a team that has, is cohesive, everyone has to do their little bit. So if you've got Tellers and Delo, who are both attacking fullback, that's what they are. They're not sitting fullbacks. You need to find a system that exploits their best attributes, which is going forward. But yesterday it was quite clear that they were both told to sit, and especially Delo. Delo looked like like oh, everything I've said about Aaron Wambasaka all season long. I take it back. And the reason why I take it back is that even though Aaron is learning and there's problems on the front foot and there's problems on the back foot and there's issues with his all round game, Diego Delo cannot play in this Man United team. He's not good enough. In, he's in no, a flat back four. I'm going to say it, that, Rob. In a, in, flat a flat, in a flat back four, if he's playing as a wing back, he's probably a lot happier. So Ole started with a system that does not allow his back four to kind of do the, do their best work. I would say Rafael Varane yesterday, it was the first game where we really saw him step out with the ball on that left-hand side of the centre-backs. And he was able to do that because Lindelof just did the Lindelof job. So Lindelof kind of, this is the job he did with Maguire. No kind of airs and graces about it. Quite easy for him. But the shape of the back four was that they were relatively deep and Manchester United had no protection in front of them, no double pivot. So that became a problem because then Bruno spent the whole of the second half having to come 40 yards backwards to come and get a ball to turn on it in safe zones and then try and get the ball forward. And what you also saw there in terms of shape was that Jaden Sancho and Mason Greenwood, who come alive on the edge of the box, that's their game, started getting the ball in what would be traditional winger positions, almost on the touchline, really, really wide, and then having nowhere to go because there's no midfield on the inside. So like we just said there, what's the problem? The problem, 100% are the tactics. If, you, if you've got a set of players, find a set of tactics that suit the players rather than trying to change the players into a set of tactics that just don't work. Yeah, I agree with that, Rob. There's a comment here about substitutions. We have discussed substitutions. Um, and it's saying, you know, no subs have more goal contributions than United since last season. United have more than double than the next team. Zero in-game management. Absolutely not zero in-game management. I think Oli's substitutions did win the game yesterday. I think that's very fair to say. I think where I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit puzzled, Rob, is that usually that the setup is wrong and it is the manager's job to change it. And, it, you know, it's almost like we're praising Oli for doing some, for correcting what he got wrong in the first place. Does that kind of make sense? I think there's plenty of times where, yes, he's changed it. He's got quality on the bench. I think the right thing he did, when Cavani came on, I was thinking, right choice. Why? Because you needed someone to, to harry a bit more, to provide more energy up top. When he brought Lingard on, I thought, right choice. Fred, I was a bit puzzled, but Fred went and got the, the cross that came in. Do you not think that... Um, you know, every time, let's say, Oli is making a decision and, and it turns into a win, you know, there is everyone's praising him, saying, well done, well done. But at the end of the day, Rob, that's your job as a manager of Manchester United. You need to make changes. If you're getting the system wrong in the first place, and you're making the changes. In my opinion, you shouldn't really be praised for that because I think that's that's like you've made the mistake and then you rectify it. Maybe you need to not make the mistake in the beginning and, and put out the right side and make sure the tactics are correct in the first place. Even if your team plays badly because you've set up wrong or something like that, if you're the guy that changes stuff, and you get the win out of it, and there's a kind of positive um, affirmation from that because that's what the manager has decided. Fantastic, well done. I'm always going to pat the manager on the back there. However, when you look at yesterday, those substitutes came on, they helped United win the game, 
get them back and obviously, you know, find a way. But there was no positive effect on the system. Those substitutes did not change the system. And this is what I'm talking about. So, again, you look at it and you're thinking about who came off and who he pulled. Like Again, he, it, you can almost predict these things, uh, Haydar, from the sidelines. And it, it's painful. So you knew he was going to pull Jaden Sancho. You knew it. You know he was. He's all, he's going to do the same things every time. Cavani comes Rob, on. Rob, I thought Sancho. I thought Sancho had a good game. I was. I, I thought Sancho, I thought Sancho there. played all right. I, I think played. I think he played all right. But again, United getting the ball to him in really like poor situations. So it's hard for forwards to do it. Evie, if they're picking the ball up really wide and having to go on the outside every time, they can't come on the inside and they haven't got support. So. Like I just showed there, my system, they're showing it Sancho and Pogba. Sancho and Pogba were quite far apart most of the time. It wasn't like they were doubling up or trying to kind of go two-on-one with a player on that side. So I thought Jaden Sancho played okay. But I think when you get to those final moments and you're trying to change stuff, Cavani came on, went straight through the middle, Ronaldo went to the left. There was once play, Ronaldo went, Oi, Edison, you're going left now, I'm going through the middle. You saw that with your own eyes in front of them. That was that was Ronaldo making that choice. Ronaldo went back through the middle. Cavani then goes wide left, and it's like th- th- there's no one helping him. It's only in that moment when they score the goal that it's because of his strength. So he harries that, he gets the ball back, and then United play one or two passes, and Fred you know, lobs a ball into the box from left back. It wasn't the greatest cross ever, and United fashion the goal, don't they? Ronaldo nods it down. Uh, Lingard does really well and Ronaldo finishes really well so that's great but I would not sit here today and say yeah those substitutes changed the flow of the match because I don't think it really did Villarreal even in the final minute or two were trying to get another goal you know they weren't scared and sitting back they took their striker off in the 61st minute and we said are they going to sit now they're going to go deep yeah they're going to stay one nil up they're going to go deep they didn't they played the ball better than Man United did for the next half an hour. And there were times when, obviously, David De Gea made saves. Even, I think, in the 88th minute, 87th minute, De Gea makes that double save where he parries it out and then the ball comes um, and his hand's on the ground and he just keeps it out. And and that kept the score at 1-1. And then two, three, four minutes later, United are at the other end of the pitch. They score the goal. I think the, the reoccurring issue here, Haydar, and the reoccurring theme is that Manchester United cannot find a tactic that works anywhere across the pitch. And if we were sat here saying, yes, but this works, this works, and this works, but these other two things do not work, I'm all right with that because it's then just about getting results. I'm looking at 10 things at the moment and nothing is working. Nothing yeah. is working. The forwards are not working. The wide players are not working. The fullbacks are not working. The centre backs are having trouble. There's probably only the one, isn't working. one person I would say at the moment is really living up to his expectation, and that's the goalkeeper. Yeah, so David exactly. has got no worries about Dean Henderson at the moment because he's playing so well. Dean Henderson's not getting a sniff. So David starts games and he deserves it because he's earned it. But you look at the rest of the pitch. It, it, it doesn't feel like to me that there are individual players failing. It feels like a systematic failure. So I look at Delo. I think mm, Delo's not a great defender. Maybe not play a flat back four. You know, maybe let Delo go up the pitch. So when Delo does get on his bike and goes in the other direction, he sometimes looks okay. But yesterday, he literally was running backwards the whole match. And Villarreal were like, "We love this. This is brilliant. We're just going to run. We're going to run down that space because." United can't cover. They've got no midfield. Scott McTominay's left on his own. It was a risk for Ole to drop Fred and drop the whole McFred thing yesterday. But I think if we played McFred and played a 4-2-3-1, 
I think United would have been more controlled. I think that it had better chances in the final third with the front four being more visceral, moving around in between and interchanging. And you then would have had a midfield solid base that just wasn't there. And in the first half, Hader, we were sat there, some very blue words coming out of our mouths saying, "What is? how are Villarreal going from centre-back to centre-forward in four seconds with yeah. no challenging at all? And it was worrying and it was shocking in the moment, but in retrospect, it doesn't shock me at all because we've seen this kind of thing all season long. Rob, when one of managers tinkering that much, then you know that they're still trying to, they're, they're under pressure, they're still trying to find something that works. But Rob, before we uh, wrap up, I do want to touch quickly on Donny van der Beek because we did see the uh, we did see you've obviously seen the the graphics that have gone around or, or the videos that's gone around of him he looks very very disappointed mm-hmm. um, you know the question here is what's the plan of van der Beek we are literally destroying his career not that we are doing that great either by not picking him anyway or he will go down with his own stubbornness um, I, I think the the comments a little bit dramatic but I do see the, the point of where they're coming from Donny van der Beek let's talk Donny van der Beek because. I'm seeing a player that's uh, not getting not getting a look in at all, Rob. And and there is a case that you're having a look at this midfield and you're thinking, where's the balance? You know, um, Oli's struggling to find the combinations that are working. And Donny van der Beek can do a job. He hasn't exactly lit the world on fire in terms of with his performances, but he has, like you mentioned earlier, you know, playing maybe as an eight instead of Bruno. That could have been something that Oli could have done yesterday. We're in Europe as well. It's less physical. It could have worked for him. What I saw from Donny, Rob, was someone that almost had been promised something and those promises had been, you know, that's how I saw it. The promises had been sort of, you know, um, taken back. When I'm looking at Donny van der Beek, if Ole Gunnar is not going to play him and he's not in his plans, you should have let him go in the summer. Or you let him go in January, Rob. If he's not going to be played, if he's not going to be used as a part in the squad, because he's not, he's not even playing in, you know, coming on and having 10 minutes here and there like he was last season. Why is he at the club? I don't understand this. It's it's frustrating for, for I think, for Donny van der Beek as a player. He wants to play. I think it's frustrating for fans because they want to maybe see what he can offer. At least give him an opportunity. Uh, it's very puzzling for me. I don't know what is going on. I mean, maybe you can shed some more insight. What have you heard behind the scenes with Donny van der Beek? Well, I've shared before here, obviously on the show, what I've heard before, and that is that Ole wants to keep him at the club to give him options and that he will give Donny van der Beek chances. But here we are nine games in and Donny van der Beek's not really played a minute. Um, I'll say this. I'm not too hot on how Donny van der Beek feels. I'm never too interested in how players feel. You have to take your chance when you get one. And sometimes it might take a long time for you to get that chance. Your job is to go to training Train like a demon and show the manager that you are absolutely, there's no chance that you can leave me out of the team because I'm just doing so well in training. So I don't believe for a second that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is watching this guy every day and feeling that he's in a position to go and take a chance. Now, you look at the system yesterday, 4-1-4-1. If you're going to play Donny van der Beek at any moment in that match, there was only one player you pull, and that's Bruno Fernandes. So you have to have the bravery to maybe look at that game with 20, 30 minutes to go and say to yourself, right, I'm going to give Donny his chance, but I'm going to pull my best player. Now, if you pull, when I say best player, I'm talking about over the last year, not at the moment. I think Bruno's performance value is really quite low at the moment. But what happens, he gets an assist, doesn't he, from that uh, from that free kick. So that's the justification. But if you play Donny van der Beek, or if you have Donny van der Beek in your squad, I think the reality is this, is that Donny van der Beek is at the club to be a backup due to injury for Bruno Fernandes. 
That is why he's at the club. So fans can get upset and say, we want to see Donny this, we want to see Donny that. I don't really think that it was the perfect scenario for Donny to start yesterday. But if you're going to play a system where you have someone like Bruno Fernandes coming so deep for the ball off of either McTominay or the centre-backs, then you might say that Donny van der Beek is more suited to that. But is anyone in their right mind going to drop Bruno Fernandes at the start of a Champions League game for that or pull him halfway through? This is the problem. And I said this yesterday, you know, the, the part of the issue is that when you think about who is droppable and who's and who can kind of come in and out, at the moment, it looks like Ronaldo is undroppable. Yeah, even if he which, plays which poorly. Which is a problem as well, Rob. That's a which is a problem. It's always a problem. And he's not offering, uh, you know, you need something different. I thought Cavani, what Cavani will do more than Ronaldo is he'll give you more, he'll give you a press from the front, yeah. which Ronaldo doesn't do, and he'll give you a bit more outside the box. Obviously, Ronaldo is an absolute pure goal scorer. He's he's, he's well-class. But the point is that, Rob, if it's not working Ronaldo, Oli still has to have have the, you know, almost the guts to say, Ronaldo, I'm hooking you because it's not working. And right now, for me, that doesn't happen. It's Ronaldo or bust. And then you're seeing Sancho come off. You might see Mason come off. And, and to be honest, Rob, in, in some cases, these players will offer more and have more of a threat than Ronaldo will. Why don't you just find a system that works? So what, 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 like this is the whole thing about Cavani. Would I start Cavani over Ronaldo? No, I would not. Cavani is at the club to be an impact substitute. That's what he is, and that's what he does well. Twenty minutes of lung busting, uh, you know, lung busting runs around, you know, working against defenders, being being a nuisance, going doing all those things. Great, but he's he, we've saw that when he started games last season, he played eight or nine in a row. He was useless. So that's not for him. Bring him on as a substitute. That works. Why don't you find a system that works for Ronaldo? Why don't you find a system that works for Jadon Sancho? Why don't you find a system that works in your midfield and for Paul Pogba? Why don't you find a system for Bruno Fernandes? All we're seeing at the moment are systems that don't work, Haydar. This is the problem. So, you know, we no, can kind of sit, we can sit, here, we can sit here and pontificate till we're blue in the face about changes. Why don't you bring this player in, bring that player out, do these things, change it around, Ole? No, stick with what you've got, Ole, but do a system that works. Get them on the training ground and make it look to our eyes that what we can see makes sense. So what we're seeing at the moment looks like algebra on a football pitch. It makes no sense. It's all formulas with no substance. United are United trying to do 15 different things and doing 15 different things wrong. Try and do two or three things right in your system. Try and break the lines. Try and pass the ball a little bit. Try and get down the channel. Try and overload on one side. You know, do things that are normal football Rob, Rob, tactics. How many, times, how many times, especially against a low block, do we overload one side and switch it? We never do that. Ever. But do you know what? Did Villarreal play low block last about, night? Did Villarreal play low block last night? Did they play it? No, they didn't. Not last did, night. What? They didn't play it? Because they looked at Man United and thought, we don't need to play low block because they're that bad. They didn't. There was no like fear. There wasn't like, oh no, they're going to come. We beat them in the Europa final, and they're going to come after us. And all this were old traffic. There was none of that. They had loads of space at the back. They gave United space, and they were like, well, if you want to leave Ronaldo there, fifty yards from anyone, that's all right. We'll take that. And they worked through United's midfield and through that kind of front line. You just said the word press. Press is a system. You know, it's a first wave press, second wave press. You have to practice that, like a language like a different language that you you speak english but you want to you want to try a bit of french you have to work and learn that language of the press now united just they didn't press why bruno fernandez said it after the game he said we decided we weren't playing a pressing system today and you look at yourself you think well villarreal was so deep might have been good to press them might have been you know, Villarreal sat on the edge of their own box and passed it around and laughed their heads off and then just flew through united oh, that is but that's coaching 
That is coaching. That is tactics. That system. That's not personnel. So that is all. This is what I'm saying. So this is why we did the masterclass today because it's all very well that everyone wants to talk about four three three and did it work. And the, the whole the truth of the matter is it wasn't really a proper four three three. You know, Liverpool have gone back to their four three three and look amazing because they've got the right personnel doing those jobs and they know it and they practice it. And that's and the players vital. know their roles within the system. And right now, I don't yeah. think the players do, Rob. That's Scott that's McTominay. Scott McTominay's best role when he's in the double pivot is that he can break and he can get forward. And you see, he has that energy game. But yesterday, he was told don't play with energy. He was told to sit and be Nangolo Kante. He was said to go and sit there and play in that role, get the ball and move it on. He can't do that. That's not his thing. He's not Michael Carrick like. You said earlier on you look at the other parts of the game bruno fernandez whose best position is number 10 was coming picking the ball up in the number six position you got paul pogba who's the best best on the left side of a three behind a striker playing in a four across there behind a striker in a space where he can't hurt anyone you're looking at this stuff Haydar, and you're saying what is going on do not tell me that oligan Solskjaer looks at it and thinks this is working he knows it isn't working too many games into the season now where we've said this over and over again. And he's going to hit a patch now of 10 games where the opponents are vicious and violent. You've got no chance. If you play against the teams that you're going to play in the next 10 games like this, yeah, you're going to get embarrassed. You're going to drop points. You're going to win no games. And you are in trouble. And I will always say again, I support Ole, but I'm not going to support bad football. And and it felt in the stadium last night. Yeah, we won it. It was an amazing end. We were so happy. It was a delirious moment. You're kind of honoured to be there in those moments for my football club. But do you know what? It felt like watching Mourinho's United. I, I, I literally, I, I thought the same thing. Look, Rob, we're going to wrap up there. It's been, a, it's, you know, it's a bit of a shorter show today. I think what we uh, we hope to see on the weekend is I want to see United just look a bit more organized, Rob, to be honest with you. That's the most important. Thing. I want to be able to look at them and see this is what we're playing today. This is uh, this is what we're going to do. This is a strategy. We're going to move the ball quicker. Everton are going to be very, very well organized on the weekend, Rob. They're, yeah, they're just, a Rafa Benitez side. They're going to be just to touch on well it. Strong. Yeah, let's touch on it before we go because you look at it like this. Yesterday was Wednesday. Today is Thursday. And then you have Friday. Today, the players have a day off. So you have Friday to sort all of your system issues, every one of them. Now, if you've got one problem, great. If you've got 15 problems, bad. So what can Ole Gunnar Solskjaer do? And this is what I said in pre-season about when you t you take your team and you give them a, a philosophy and a direction, is that you work on it week after week after week after week. And this is exactly why Ole Gunnar Solskjaer goes back to 4 2 3 because that's the system. He's worked with them week after week after week after week. What happened yesterday didn't work. It, it was just was not good. And if you play 4-1-4-1 against Everton, they will beat you. Yeah, that's just, just a straight fact. So what will happen? He will go back to 4-2-3-1. He will go back to the same players. He will go back to the same shape. Fred has had the day off, so he'll be well rested. You know, let's hope we don't see Fred at left back. That's not something I really want to see ever again, even though it worked in the 94th and 95th minute. And then I think that when you've got that double pivot there, and I know everyone hates it, and McFred, this, that, and the other... McFred are not the problem in this team. The problem are the other partnerships. I am a bit fearful of what we're going to see from our fullbacks in these weeks ahead. You know, I think obviously Aaron Wan-Bissaka will get the chance to come back in. But even he's not playing with confidence at the moment, is he? So United need to find now. It's, it feels like getting blood out of a systematic stone, Haydar. You know, it feels like the system has collapsed. What do you do to fix it? 
and you can't fix it on the fly. You don't get away with it. Everton are well-organized. They will be rigid. They will try and hit you wide. That's what they've been yeah. doing. And 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 if they can uh, service their forwards in the way that they have been servicing them, and you look at some of the guys that stepped into the team, like Townsend and Damari Gray, those two guys are playing better than any of the Man United players at the moment. You know, I think they're playing better than... The roles, Rob, in the system. That's why they, you can't uh, say that any of coach. United... Yeah, all United's... Uh, players are, are superior to their players, pretty much. But the fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter if you have eleven of the best players in the world. In the world, if you can't get them to uh, to work together in a system and you can't get them well coached, it doesn't really matter. And we're seeing that with Manchester United this season. United against most teams they play are two or three or four times better pound for pound per player. They are at the moment systematically United look worse, and that worries me. It's got to come down to the manager. He's got to find a way. It doesn't matter if he's got like six coaches that do his work for him. And that he, he does it all by committee and they kind of select the squad by committee. It doesn't matter. It is on Ole's shoulders. He is the guy who's got to fix this. And I don't want to keep seeing this as a Man United fan. I want to be able to be enthused by what we're seeing. You know, we'll say about don't get too high, don't get too low. You know, I want to kind of be in the middle somewhere and go, well, yeah, that's good, but that's not good. We can work on these things. At the moment, it is really a kind of downward trajectory. And I don't know how to get off this ride. I don't look at that game yesterday and think, well, if they just tweak that or just do this, it's suddenly going to work. Donny van der Beek, bring Donny into the team. Will it work? Not in this system. Like, it's, it just won't work. It doesn't matter who you play. You've got the best striker in the world up top and your, and your attack looks flat. You know, so what's going on there? So uh, I don't know. I think... It's too easy also to say that players need to take responsibility and use all of those cliches, but they've got to find a way now. The players are making decisions on the football pitch. And like I just said there about Ronaldo going central after going left. So Cavani came on, went through the middle and it was all of two minutes. It wasn't the touchline that said it. Ronaldo went, I'm going back in here, Edinson. And he went back wide. That's the players making that choice at that moment of time, you know, in game. Bruno's the captain behind them. He might have actually said it. You know, might have been a communication thing there. But that doesn't look good to me because there's so many chopping and changing. It means that nothing is working. That's why they're changing it all the time. Because if it did work, they wouldn't change it. Well said, Rob. Look, guys, thanks so much for all the interaction. It's been really great. Obviously, this was a last-minute show. We hope that uh, you enjoyed it. We have got the uh, FPL Mascars later on today. So, uh, you know, that'll be a great show with myself and Rob. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. So, hopefully, you can join us then. Have a great uh, next couple of days, and we'll see you after the Everton game. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.